Hello, hola and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Freeland Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Vegas 45, Chris Dawkins versus Derek Lewis, an exciting heavyweight tilt. We'll also see Wonderboy Thompson and Bilal Muhammad in the co-main event. But of course, those of you who frequent the show know we will not be breaking down that fight or any of the other fights on this main card. Because this here, this is the prelim primer where we break down just the prelim portion of the card. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the show and you're asking yourself, why just the prelims? Why not break down all of the exciting fights as well? Give us it all. Well, the answer is really simple. We, first of all, know you've probably got another place where you go for your main event coverage. And, hey, you probably like that place. And you might already have opinions about Wonder Boy or Derek Lewis or who had it. So, we're here to give you the knowledge about the people you don't know about. Because that's where there's money to be won, whether you're playing daily fantasy sports, whether you're gambling, or, hey, maybe you just want to win a pick'em contest. But, before we get to any of that great content for you, I have to let you know that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there are more previews, recaps, analysis, podcasts than you can shake a stick at. It's all too much, and when you're looking to get that insight to give you the edge, it can be hard to block off the noise from what really matters. And that's why you should download the All-Star app, because they provide you with expert commentary from some of the most respected names in the sports world, and all of the incredible content is packaged into an intuitive, fully interactive app right there in the palm of your hands. Plus... It's free. That's right. Completely free. And there are lots of other great features to the All-Star app that I'm going to tell you about a little bit later on in the show. But for right now, just trust me and go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io. Now, to help me break down these fights, I am joined by one from the bloody elbow. I, of course, am talking about Kristen King. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me back. It's been a while, so I'm very much looking forward to breaking down some fights again. And we're looking forward to it as well. Now, in order to start this round, we've got to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Dontale Kong Mays versus Josh Parisian. So Mays snapped a two-fight losing streak his last time out. He picked up a decision win over Roque Martinez. That fight was all the way back in November of last year. Parisian, meanwhile, one and one in the UFC. He also just recently beat Roque Martinez. That fight was in June of this current year, though. So obviously, neither of these two heavyweights have looked super great. Both of them kind of have <laughs> skills on the ground. But, like, mostly don't take it there and just beat Roque Martinez. Who do you think tries to take this one to the ground first? It would be my best bet to say Parisian, just because he may have more ways to win on the ground. But, honestly, I, I don't see this going to the ground whatsoever. I don't feel like either of you could- Either of them are like ground specialists or submission threats by any means, so I don't see it going there. But if it did, it would probably better suit Parisian just because I feel like Mays has the clear advantage when it comes to the boxing department. And sometimes with Parisian in the striking, I, I worry too much that he's willing to take a lot of damage before he can finally uncork one of his own. And sometimes they do land, sometimes they don't. Um, and I just don't think that that's a risk willing he's willing to take against someone like Mays who... He can hit hard. He's not the most accurate, but his boxing is certainly one of the like highlights of, of his style. So it would definitely be Parisian going to the ground first, so he could probably avoid that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I- I'm also curious because, like you said, Downtail Mays sort of empties the tank on every throw. He throws <laughs> some big bombs. They're wild. Neither of these guys are the most fit heavyweight you will ever see in your life. What happens if this fight does not end quickly? God, then we are in for just the most sloppy type (laughs) 
heavyweight fight, which I mean, that's pretty much expected when you're talking about the heavyweight division. It's either a first round knockout or just one sloppy meat fest and it just it just gets not fun anymore past like the second round. So if this does not finish, then you know what we're in for. We are in for that fight that is that'll have you questioning why are either of these two in the UFC? So that's what we look forward to. So hopefully we get a finish in this fight, but Depending on how either fighter comes into this, I'm not sure we're going to get it. All right, so that means we do have to log our, our official prediction here. Do you think it's the quick one? Do you think it's the sloppy long one? And regardless of which one you think, who do you think is going to take it? God, against my better judgment, I'm just going to go with Maze by first-round technical knockout because that's the thing that I hope happens, just so we can be put out of our misery quite early. And I'm going to predict misery. I'm going to take Josh Parisian <laughs> by decision here. I think he's probably going to withstand some of those big bombs early and just tire Maze out and just make it as sloppy as possible, win the last two rounds in kind of awful fashion. But nevertheless, I am going to take Parisian. And that brings us to our second fight in the first round, which is Matt Saywis versus Jordan Levitt. So Saywis wanted to win the UFC. He lost by Twister to Bryce Mitchell back in December of 2019. We haven't seen him since then. Levitt, meanwhile, uh, lost his undefeated record when he was beat by Claudio Puelish back in June. Now, my question here is, it's kind of an interesting one, because Jordan Levitt is really good on the ground. Matt Salis does a pretty damn good job of making sure he doesn't go there. However, it's been a long time since we've seen him there. It's been since December of 2019. There's reports that he ballooned up to 250 pounds in the interim. He's going up a weight class. What chances do you give him of staying off the ground here with Levitt in order to win it on the feet? Yeah, all of those that you said are very concerning to me when I think about sales and the, the kind of uh, path that Jordan Levitt has for this fight. And considering exactly what Bryce Mitchell did uh, before that twister, he just kind of like blitzed across the cage, got him down uh, on, I believe it was a single leg and got sales in a submission. So if it looks like anything would be uh, uh, the path to victory for Levitt, it'd be that. And with all those factors, you're coming off of a super long layoff because you haven't fought since 2019. You are now fighting at lightweight, whereas you've been fighting as a featherweight for the majority of your professional career. The only lightweight fight that I saw on his against Christian Aguilera at CFFC 64 a few years ago. And the fact that that is an actual report, like he, he did absolutely balloon up to 250 pounds and now you're cutting weight down. Oh, that's almost 100 pounds. You're, you're going to be a, a lightweight. You know, th those are all very concerning. And the fact that you are being pit against someone who has all of the tools to completely dominate you on the ground. I mean, when you're talking about Jordan Levitt, you're talk talking about fantastic grappling and wrestling, and he can definitely control you on the ground should it go there. Now, my only way that I would see Sales potentially winning the fight, obviously, is avoiding those ground exchanges. But against someone like Levitt, who is so pursuant of the takedown, I don't know how he holds up. I mean, maybe if he tries to keep things standing, he could find some success, especially because you saw in the Puelles fight against uh, Jordan Levitt, when he couldn't get the takedown, he left little to be desired in the striking department. So if I see somewhere that sales could certainly exploit a hole, it'd be there. But that's very tough against someone who is as good as Levin on the ground. Yeah, I agree with you. But I will say, too, for, for Matt Sales, who, who, by the way, I am leaning towards picking him here. 
if you go back and, and ignore that Bryce Mitchell fight, because Bryce Mitchell, I think, is is an elite-level grappler in the mm-hmm. featherweight division right now, you, you take some of his past opponents. He fought Shaman Marias, who, who you know, not in the UFC anymore, but was really great with W uh, World Series of Fighting, rather. I almost called it PFL. World Series of Fighting back when it was still called that. He stuffed four of Marias' takedowns and didn't concede any. And, and Marias is a pretty damn good grappler, too. Now, ultimately, say was lost that fight on the feet, but... I don't know that Jordan Levitt varies his looks enough for me to really feel good about his grappling, right? Like, we know if it doesn't hit the mat, he's toast. So yeah. I- I'm going to log my my submission here first, and I'm going to say Matt Salis takes this with a variety of striking and just stuffing takedowns enough to make Jordan Levitt uncomfortable on the feet. Sounds like you're leaning the other way. How do you got Levitt winning this one? I most certainly am. You have far too much confidence in Matt Salis. <laughs> I'm going to go with Levitt via first-round submission. All right, and that's going to do it to the end of our first round. We got two differences. We'll see if we can agree a little bit in round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app, it's got to be the player bios. Say you're looking to do a little research about an upcoming fight between, let's say, you know, Wonderboy Thompson versus Bilal Muhammad. And you just click on that fight, which is really easy to find in their scores tab. And not only are you going to get when that fight is happening, but you're also going to get the opening and current lines. Plus, you're also going to get the opening and current lines for the totals, the overs and unders. So now, not only do you get all of that information right there in the palm of your hand, but you also now get to know how that line is moved. It's giving you that insider information to know what the Sharps are doing. But this is more than just betting lines in the palm of your hand. They've got full records dating back to pro debuts and so much more. Just go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io. And we're back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this fight by talking about, or start this round rather, by talking about Justin Taffa versus Harry Hunsucker. So Taffa, one in three in the UFC. He's on a two-fight losing streak. He most recently lost to Jared Vandera. That fight was back in May. Harry Hunsucker, 0-1 in the UFC. He took a short notice fight back in March against Tai Tuivasa and suffered the same exact fate that the last four people who fought Tai Tuivasa have, which is to say he got knocked out hard. Now... This is a pair of very big dudes. We talked about big dudes yep. at the beginning. These are very big dudes who just like to swing it. And that's pretty much all there is to say here. Who's going to land first? Who's the one who's going to hit the big bomb? Who's the one who's going to knock it out of the park? Man, if I had to pick between these two, I'd probably pick Justin Toffa. I, I feel like he's definitely going to blast Hunsucker and, and probably put him away early just because I, I know it's unfair to potentially judge Hunt Sucker off of that one fight against Tai Tuivasa because honestly, suffering the same fate as his previous last opponents is like, well, yeah, that kind of happens to almost everybody. So it's understandable. But uh, what concerned me was, I guess, a fear of there was not really too much of a chin to withhold those types of shots. I know Justin Taffa can hit super hard. Tai Tuivasa hit super hard. And if he connects clean with just one of those... And we saw the reaction from Harry Hunsucker in that in that um, Tuivasa fight. It it just doesn't seem like it bodes well for me. So for me, this is another easy one, especially when we're talking about heavyweight fights. I feel like we're gonna go with Tafa via first round knockout. It just feels right. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on that one. I'm gonna go with Tafa first round knockout. I'll also say this: Tafa's biggest weakness lately has seemed to be 
that sometimes he gets a little complacent and he doesn't push the yeah. action. Huntsucker's going to get in his face and force him to throw, and I think it's going to be the worst <laughs> thing that Huntsucker could do. Like, if he just fought technically and safe from the outside, he might pick apart Tafa or he might, you know, win a uh, kind of lame decision. But he's going to push the pace because it's what Huntsucker does, and he's going to get clipped. Um <laughs> And that brings us to our second fight in this round, which is Charles Jordan versus Andre Ewell. So Jordan won one and one in his last three. He got Doris choked by Juicy J, Julian Arosa back in September. Uh, Ewell, meanwhile, is on a two-fight losing streak. He lost to Chris Gutierrez and Julio Arce back-to-back, the most recent being in July. Now, my question for you is this one. It's a weight class change again. We're talking about Andre Ewell, who is extremely long. It was one of the longer bantamweights in the division. He's moving up to featherweight, something that fits, I think, his body frame a lot better than his previous weight class did. What do you think? Do you think moving up a weight class, possibly helping out some of those cardio issues we saw, is going to be a huge difference for him? Or is this a, one of those opportunities where we're going to see him kind of outsized? Yeah, it feels like that. Because sometimes with, when you do a weight change, it, it's more so to figure out your cardio problems and your longevity uh, in the sport. But in, in this instance for Andre Uhl, um great for you to switch to featherweight if, if that's where you feel that you are fit at this point. But I, I honestly think it's more so um, this is a stylistic thing as opposed to like a cardio related thing in my eye. Like Andre Yule. Uh, especially in the loss to Julio Arce. I mean, he set it up kind of perfectly with the t- with the kind of uh, game plan that he had against Ewell. He had those body shots. He had those leg kicks. And that's kind of what systematically broke down Ewell um, and what led to the second round knockout. And I feel like as though, even though Ewell has a lot of good um, boxing, certainly crisp in that area, it just it's a matter of the person opposite of him utilizing a perfect game plan. And it, it has been shown that it can be done. And, and he kind of wilts under the exact same thing. And I guess going up against someone like Charles Jordan, who certainly has the tools to pose those similar threats to someone like him, I don't know if a change in weight class is going to solve a lot of issues. I just think that he's going to be put against these guys that are much bigger. Yeah, I mean, he fits against them, but it's a stylistic type of thing. It, once people know how to beat you, it, it becomes fairly clear that that's the path that they're going to go. And I feel like Charles Jordan is probably going to take advantage of that. Right. And, and as far as like the size thing goes too, like it, it's not like him moving up. He's going to be like a big, thicker, stronger type of guy, right? Mm-hmm. Because like he, he's never going to be that. He, he could go up as many weight classes as he wanted and he's not going to be that guy. Jordan is going to still have like a, a physical, you know, like a physicality advantage up a weight class. Um, and, and to be honest too, yeah, I, I think the striking clearly favors Jordan here. I, I think he is faster. He's more technical and if, this fight isn't going to the mat. So even if you give you a slight advantage on the mat, I don't think it winds up here. So I'm going to take Jordan. I'm going to say he gets it done by decision. Do you have a prediction for how he gets it done? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go a little bit more bolder and I'm going to say Jordan by second round technical knockout. I think he's much more diverse and I think that's a problem for Ool. All right, and that brings us to our last fight of the second round, which is Sajara Eubanks and Melissa Gatto. So Eubanks returned to 125 pounds to beat short-notice replacement Elise Reed back in July. Gatto, meanwhile, TKO'd Victoria Leonardo in her August debut. She's 1-0 in the UFC. So my question for you here, Eubanks back down to 125 pounds. She looked impressive in the return, but against somebody who's a straw weight mm-hmm. on short notice, how much can we take into account all of that, those factors? And, and how good do you think she actually looked back at, at flyweight? 
I mean, I thought she looked great considering her first run at flyweight didn't really go too much as planned. I'm, I'm sure she wanted it to go a little bit better, but it didn't. Um, now that she's kind of got the weight cut figured out, I thought she looked excellent against Elise Reed. And by, by, by the way, that was of no fault of her own. She had to take on a short notice replacement. Otherwise, she wasn't going to be fighting on that card. So I thought she looked great. I thought she looked much more aggressive, something that we've been asking for Sadara Eubanks for a while. And she finally snapped a two-fight losing streak with that TKO, and, and she looked great. And now she gets to take on Melissa Gatto, who is much more her speed, I believe, as far as competitor-wise. And uh, I, I think the way that this fight is probably going to go is Eubanks is more than likely going to pursue the takedown, obviously, and she's going to try and uh, ground and pound her way to a decision, as she showed in the, in the Reed fight. But here's the thing. Gatto, and, and I've scouted her before, She her work on the ground is something that you always want to be wary of, okay? Because an unattended arm or leg or ankle is easy for the taking against someone like Gatto. My problem with her sometimes is that I fear she gets too comfortable trying to go for that Hail Mary submission uh, while on her back. And I don't know if she wants to do that against someone who is as aggressive and as powerful as Eubanks showed she can be on the ground. So that'd probably be my only concern if it were to go to that area. Now in the striking department. I think I would favor Eubanks just slightly. Gotta certainly prove wrong. I was a little bit worried when it came to her striking because I figured it was non-existent. But uh, the time away certainly filled those gaps for me, and she looked phenomenal in, in, in that fight against Victoria Leonardo. So striking-wise, I would say it's a little bit of a toss-up. I have to lean towards Eubanks. And then on the ground, uh, it, it's more of the same for me, but Gatto definitely has that threat that she can submit you from anywhere. So it, it's certainly an interesting fight. I think you broke it down perfectly. So I'm just going to ask you then, it pretty much comes down to you. Does Gatto get enough sweeps? Does Gatto land one of those submissions? Or do you think Eubanks just barely edges this one out? And I I, I have to go Gatto via unanimous decision. She impressed me so much. And I, even though I think Eubanks is a tough fight, um, I think she gets it done and she can definitely eke out a decision. I'm going to go with the same exact thing. I think Gatto here gets a decision as well. I, I think she can turn the tables enough in that grappling department, stuff Eubanks, and I'm not quite sold on Eubanks' cardio yet. I will be really interested mm -hmm. to see what happens if she gets pushed by somebody as physical as her back down at her natural weight class of flyweight or unnatural weight class of flyweight. <laughs> so that's going to do it for the end of our second round. we got three more fights for you in the third round, and we will be right back. All right, guys, the last thing I really love about the All-Star app, it's got to be their news feed. If you're the type of person who is getting your sports news from social media, stop doing that. Start reading the All-Star app, who uses a proprietary algorithm that only brings you the highest quality sports news. Plus, you can personalize that feed so that you only get the news that matters to you. And it's all right there, one nice, neat little spot. And if it's something that you would like, and let me tell you something, it is something that you would like, go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or visiting the allstar.io and we are back with round number three i'm gonna put another five minutes on the clock and we're gonna start this round by talking about gerald mearshart versus dustin stoltzfus so mearshart two fight winning streak he's coming over an absolutely huge upset over mahmoud muradov by rear naked choke back in august stoltzfus meanwhile owen two in the ufc he got subbed by rodolfo vieta back in july so I know both of these guys lost opponents and just happened to be in the same weight class, but I have to ask, and we'll just keep this one quick, is this matchmaking malpractice? Because uh, Mearshart, Submachine, Stoltfus seems to get beat up by grapplers. 
should they be in the cage together? No, they should not. This matchup is certainly a product of circumstance, as we perfectly laid it out. They literally had each other's opponents fall out, and there was no choice but to put them together just so that they can continue to fight on Saturday. But I would have much rather them be rescheduled against different opponents than have them face each other. Yeah, I guess I'm glad they're both getting uh, getting paid. But at the end of the day, Mearshart's going to get twice as much payment and possibly a submission of the night bonus for his first round sum. And Stoltzfus is going to get that singular paycheck. So uh, my official prediction, Mearshart by first round submission, any way he wants it. Uh, how about you? And what do you know? We have the same exact prediction. <laughs> that is where I'm going as well. All right, and let's talk about a little bit more interesting a fight. A fight I can't believe is on the prelims, and that's Raquel Pennington versus Macy Chason. So Pennington on a two-fight winning streak. She beat Marion Renault and Penny Kianzad back-to-back by decision, the most recent being in September. Chason, meanwhile, two-fight winning streak for herself. Also, Marion Renault and Shanna Young, both of those by decision, with the most recent being back in March. So my question for you here, Macy Chason had a little bit of trouble with physicality back during couple of losses she had earlier in her career including one to lena landsberg do you believe that she can deal with like the pressure and physicality that raquel pennington brings or can she use that length to maybe make sure that she doesn't really have to deal with the physicality yeah i mean raquel pennington is certainly the definition of, of a bully i mean she's gonna push up against you clinch up against the cage with you and just hold you there and it's gonna be a miserable miserable round of fighting but For me, I I feel like as much as Kiasan has had issues with that in the past, I feel like she's kind of uh, filled those gaps for me in in that department as well, especially in her last fight. I think she's dealt with the clinch work before and she looked fine. Um, So I think that if if anything, if she can just separate from Raquel Pennington uh, as hard as that is of a task to ask for she can separate get some distance and then just light her up on the feet i mean i feel like he takes this fight but it is certainly hard when you think about the kind of physicality that pennington possesses and utilizes so well in the octagon yeah i agree with you entirely i I think she has the ability to get out of that clinch i'm just worried for for me she gave up a couple of takedowns to marion renault popped right back Mm -hmm. up got the work done on the feet and won the fight I'm not sure you pop up so fast against somebody like Raquel Pennington. Raquel Pennington, you know, much better control on the map, much better grappling than Marion Renault, and also not 43 years old, which helps a little bit too. Um, so for me, I'm a little bit worried about that physicality. You know, Chason, she's not quite Stefan Struve level for me, but she's one of those fighters who's really long and doesn't quite know how to use it 100%. Um, so I'm a little bit worried she winds up on the inside here. Um I'm going to go with Pennington by decision. How about you? Very interesting. I'm going to go with Kaysan by decision. I have a little bit more faith. Also, I'd like to point out to the listeners that this fight is going to be contested at women's featherweight. So that is an additional 10 pounds from where these two women usually compete at. So that's also a, a factor to pay attention to. How much is the extra weight going to play a role in this fight? And I did see that just before coming to air, too. And, and I thought a little bit about that. I do actually believe that that might favor Macy Chason, who seems like the bigger woman and the one who probably has to cut more weight and actually do like a heavy weight cut. Right. But I, but I still am going to ever so slightly favor Raquel Pennington. But that is definitely worth noting. Um, 
And that brings us to our very last fight, which is Rayoni Barcelos versus Victor Henry. Barcelos recently lost his five-fight lose or winning streak, rather, last time out to Timor Valiev. That fight was in June. Henry, meanwhile, is making this short-notice debut. He is 21-5, and five, so he is not your average newcomer. He's already beat mm-hmm. the likes of people like Albert Morales, who is a UFC veteran, um, Kyler Phillips. He's beaten some big-name dudes outside of the UFC. So my question to you, he's a newcomer that a lot of people are very high on. He's got some slick submissions. He's got big power. He's really fast. What do you think is going to be his best approach to trying to deal with Rayone Barcelos, who has been a lot of trouble for a lot of dudes in the UFC? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to kind of pin down what the best path to victory for, uh, for Henry is. I mean, especially considering... I mean, he is a very, 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 very good fighter, and he probably should have been under the UFC banner a really long time ago. I mean, he practically made a career under the Japanese circuit, which was always interesting to follow. Um, but, I mean, on two weeks' notice, this is my thing. If, if if Victor Henry had more of an opportunity to train properly for specifically Hayoni Barcelos, I would give him a much bigger chance than the one that I'm giving him now. And this is not to say that I'm counting him out completely. It's just when I look at how these guys stack up in, in like the striking and wrestling and grappling, I lean more towards Barcelos. I, I can't help myself but doing that. I mean, Barcelos is an incredible jujitsu guy. And I think that could be a problem for Henry. I mean, he's certainly dealt with those types of guys before on the ground, but then Henry just being the absolute freak that he is, he can come back from a pretty big deficit on the ground and just come back and knock a dude out. That That's who Victor Henry is. Um, and he's also a very solid wrestler, but I, I don't know if that's going to be enough. I feel like if he wants a chance, he would take it to the ground, but it's just such a risk against Barcelos. I mean, I'm not sure he would let him off the hook if he decided to take him on the ground. You know what I mean? So it's hard. It's very hard. I, I would say maybe in the wrestling department, Henry could have a little bit of a chance, but it's exactly that a little bit of a chance. Yeah. My game plan that I would probably draw up for him is let those bombs fly. Um, because yeah. he, he throws some absolute haymakers. Now the big problem I see with that is against a guy like Rayon, Rayoni Barcelos, he is very defensively sound. He's very safe mm-hmm. and he does an excellent job of countering your dumb punches. Um, you throw it over the top, he's going to duck underneath and get the double leg. You throw us a, a lazy kick that you didn't throw full force. He's going to catch it and trip you. Like he does the right thing when you get sloppy on the feet. But I really think that that's Victor Henry's path to victory here is get a little sloppy on the feet and hopefully, you know, land that big one. I don't think he's going to do it. I'm going to say Barcelos wins this by decision, though. I'm going to give Henry some the benefit of the doubt here, saying as crazy and wild as he gets and possibility of him getting caught in those exchanges, it's there. But man, is this dude tough and man, is this dude durable. So I'm going to say he makes it to decision. Uh, One of those guys who I think even after losing a fight right here, we're going to feel really high on them. Um, yeah. You know, like David Onama style or Chris Moutinho style. We're going to all like Victor Henry after this one, but I'm still going to take Barcelos by decision. Yeah, I have to do this exact same. I have to take uh, Barcelos by decision. But honestly, Henry is no slouch, and I'm super excited for him to be put on such a big platform. He's really he's fought for this quite a long time, and I'm glad he's finally here. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for the end of our third round. So we want to thank you for all tuning in and listening to this huge prelim card that's going to have a ton of fun fights on it. Once again, you can follow my co-host on Twitter at Kristen King MMA. Kristen, thanks so much for joining.
Thanks so much for having me again. And hopefully there's not going to be too much time in between these breakdowns. Have me back sooner. (laughs) 